0: Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and today I'm speaking with the wonderful Rhonda Bell of Dog Days Consulting. She helps veterinarians and their clients talk to each other, just like me, only she does it over social media. She helps people with their reputation, how to resolve and repair their reputation. I love when she speaks about the power of the pause, P-A-U-S-E, so that you take a minute before you respond. Let's hear what Rhonda has to say. I'm here with Rhonda Bell. She and I are like you know, kindred spirits because she is the owner of Dog Days Consulting, and they help veterinarians and other pet service industries uh, deal with their social media presence, both good and bad, and help people really have a positive experience reacting to conflict, um, resolving conflict and having that conversation they need to have. So
1: Rhonda, thank you so much for being here. We are going to have so much fun. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. It's it's a topic that I have worked on for years without even really realizing it because there's just so much stress and angst and turmoil that can get wrapped up in how we communicate over our pets and over these emotional hot topics that we could really make life better on ourselves if we could just kind of learn to communicate and say the right words in the right way and just make things a little bit better.
0: Yeah, Kelly Blazell and I put on a program that was so well attended back in the January, February timeframe called Speaking the Right Words. And that's what we're gonna talk about today because it really is about, um, I think breathing is the most underrated thing somebody needs to do when they're angry. And I'll raise my hand and I'm sure you will too, Rhonda, um, that sometimes breathing doesn't come naturally when you want to react or be defensive. However, that's why you're there. Um, that's why I'm there, to help people really take stock and feel what's in their body when these kinds of um, conflictual emotional uh, situations arise. So before we start doing anything else, I'm going to ask you that question that we ask everyone. Why do pets matter to you? And, you know,
1: why did that bring you to where you are today? You know, I don't even know that there was a beginning. It's just a state of being. It's a thing, you know, um, I've rescued animals in, in every hospital that I ever managed. So I'm a foster failure. I'm going to take them home and, and foster them. I'm yeah, really bad love. at that. Yeah. So I've got three cats. Um, I also have a pug. We have some ferals that moved into our backyard. And so just this weekend, I built this big herb box with a cat house underneath so they would have somewhere comfortable to get. And then I built this ledge on my fence so they have a feeding platform. So it's just who I am, my personality. I just want to make sure that animals' lives are improved in whatever way that I can see that makes sense to do it. Um, And throughout my career as a CBPM and working with animals in a veterinary practice, you know, our job was always to advocate for those who can't speak for themselves. So in some cases, that's the client. But in most cases, and and all of our cases, it was for the animal, it was for the pet and the patient. So I just have really adopted that mindset. So, you know, I'm one of those that unfortunately, if I see someone walking their dog on hot pavement, I am compelled to say something. I'm very polite about it. I'm very nice about it. But it's one of those that I just, it will eat at me forever if I did not say something and help that dog with hot feet on the yeah. asphalt. So that's just who I am. And I think a lot of us that that migrate towards the veterinary world and the animal world, that's, we just have whatever that DNA is. <laughs> so that's, that's why they matter to me. It's just part of my DNA and part of who I am. And, you know, all thoughts filter through what do my animals need? What do my pets need as I'm doing things? So, and I built a career around it. So how did um,
0: Dog Days Consulting come out of that uh, hands-on veterinary practice? I'm sure I know the answer, but I want you to tell um, my listening audience, because a lot of people here have had really difficult conversations with veterinarians um, and really didn't know what to do. And I know that a lot of my veterinary friends have had really difficult conversations with their clients, and that mix is like an emotional keg of dynamite.
1: It is. One of the things that I, as a brand new baby manager or a brand new employee, one of the things that I was given feedback, I was given during a review one time is that when I'm asked a question, I, I stop and I breathe. And so throughout my career, I've kind of developed that concept of if I practice the pause, one, I'm replaying that question in my mind, making sure that I understand it, or I'm interpreting it in a way that I think you're asking me. So I don't just shoot off with an answer. Um, And it's something that I've always naturally done. And so throughout developing dog days, developing what I do with social media, after I left the veterinary world as a full-time practice manager, I started this company because communication is very difficult in the veterinary world. They're busy. I mean, that's the biggest problem is they're just super, super busy. The other problem is they're scientists. So scientists can have problems with being able to communicate or relate to people on an emotional level because they're busy being scientific. They're busy being medical. They're busy trying to get things done and make sure those animals are cared for. So it's not a slight on their abilities to read the room. It's this is the way it is. So you need people in your environment that can help you read that room and help you communicate to those people. And so as a manager, I found myself falling into that role. And in the beginning, it was very unwillingly because I didn't like conflict either. I don't think anybody does. And I always went into the room afraid of what was going to happen. So the only way that I could come up with a way to not be afraid anymore is to learn how to manage conflict and learn how to diffuse that situation. So I kind of had to take back control of that situation based on my fear. So I'm just a, a tackle the fear, get rid of it. It's no longer a fearful thing. So as I went through my career and I started dog days, that's what I end up having more questions about is, well, how do I handle this negative review? Or how do I handle this person who's mad at me and they're blowing me up on social media? Or, you know, how do I diffuse the situation? And I do a lot of speaking engagements now. And I've, I've done a lot of online teaching opportunities as well, where that's what people want to know is, yeah, yeah, social media, I get it reputation management. How do I handle when people are mad at me? I don't know how to handle this conflict. And so that's where I'm finding myself kind of naturally falling into with dog days is, is trying to help pet parents communicate better with veterinary practices and trying to help veterinary practices communicate better with pet parents. And we're doing it on social media. And, you know, that's so important because so
0: many Um, speakers talk about avoiding conflict. And from what I hear you saying, that's almost, and I know it is because that's my practice as well, impossible because you could do everything right. And just by virtue of the fact of what you're living through, you may find yourself in conflict, scratching your head
1: going, I don't know how I got here. Right. Well, and sometimes silence is conflicting where they are going to read into what you're not saying and what you're not doing. So you might as well open that line of communication, open that dialogue. Tell them what you're thinking. Tell them what you're doing. How you got to this place. That way you can find some middle road, or you know, I, I like to say your your empathetic moment. Where can you connect with each other in this situation? You may not agree on all points. You're never going to. Right. But where's one point where we can start because we're on the same page right here, right now. And from there, we can talk about it more and we can try to figure this out. So, and again, we have that that added barrier where we have social media in between us. So it's not like we can sit in a room and hash this out for a couple hours and and leave shaking hands and feeling like we're friends. This is one of those situations where, you know, there's bravery behind a screen. So people are more willing people to say and do things. warriors, right. And, and you know, are. I have to tell you that that's the
0: scariest thing for most veterinarians and sometimes clients who can't believe their veterinarian said what they said, or the veterinarian can't believe the client said what they said. And you lose the, the intonation, you lose the emotion, you misread the perspective or perception that mm-hmm. was meant. You use language and when you go back and read it, you go, oh my God, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. So when I work with veterinarians, probably the same way you do, I always say, please don't answer on social media um, because right then and there, not a good time. Appreciate and acknowledge, like you said, you know, have compassion for how they took it, what, you know, what's going on in their mind. I appreciate and acknowledge doesn't mean you agree um, right. and let's have a conversation. And I think our comfort with Zoom now has given at least my clients, both the pet owners and the veterinarians when they hire me as, as the, you know, neutral in the center of the conversation, um, they are able to really answer that in a way that gives everybody peace of mind.
1: Right. Yeah. I encourage my clients to be wet blankets and I tell them exactly that, you know, just because someone is inviting you to a fight, you don't have to attend it. Um, You don't have to respond. You don't have to, throw gasoline on that fire, you just, it's not a requirement. And sometimes we feel like we have to defend our honor um, and, and defend what we did, defend our medicine and any of that stuff. But it's one of those situations where if you think you have to respond, and it's important to respond, and it's crucial that this person understands anything, that right there tells me you should not respond.
0: Yeah. And don't respond on social media. So when the pet owners are listening to this, go, that's just what happened, that vet wouldn't respond to me. And it's not that um, Rhonda and I are saying, oh, no, don't ever respond, but don't respond right. on social media. It really right. puts everyone in a defensive posture, a reactive posture, and we're trying to get everybody, pet owners, veterinarians, their staff, everybody, to be more aware of their bodily reaction to things that are said that we, we really um, are hurt by or we get defensive <laughs> over. It's, it's about being able, and I know you're going to talk about this. I loved when you first said you have to be, um, you have to practice the pause because mm-hmm. when I was speaking in Australia, that's what I talk about. I go, stop talking and listen and drop the need to be right. Cause they can't hear you and let what they say roll off your back because you know what? It can sometimes lead to an apology because when they think about what they said to you, they will come back and apologize because they can't believe. And they'll say it was because my car got hit on the way to the veterinarian or your front desk person was like this. And you'll hear if you just take a pause, take a pause to breathe. And I know you talked about that and tell us a little bit more about your process, because for me, nobody can hear the other person when they're reactive and defensive.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those that whenever you are in that mode, you're just giving them ammunition you are creating more to fight about you're giving them more argument more positions to take against what you're doing yeah, you of just bringing- said this not only did you right. say that then but you just said this now holy right. so, so what is the original point point? and the the thing that i like about negative reviews which i know is very ironic but the thing i like about negative reviews is i look at it as you've got someone who's still enough emotionally invested in that relationship to bother to tell you what pissed them off. That is so important to recognize because most people don't. They don't, they just disappear. You never see that client again. You don't get that revenue. You've lost business. Not only that, they may be negatively reflecting your business verbally somewhere. So you don't know the kind of damage yeah, on that's the website and have nothing to do with you. They're
0: telling people in the neighborhood website, right. your website that you know Doctor Smith stinks and he killed my cat. Um, and you won't know about it unless somebody in the neighborhood. And if you don't live in that neighborhood,
1: you're not going to get that neighborhood. You won't you know. know, right? Absolutely. So if someone has taken the time and they're emotionally invested enough to actually go to Google and Yelp and all, you know, the next door app and all of those and leave those comments and those reviews, you still have a moment in time that you can either recapture or you can throw a wet blanket on that fire. So, you know, you may not want to recapture that relationship. Maybe it's devolved into something that you it's just right. not worth to, But You want them to go away, not destroying your practice. Absolutely. And you don't want them to be so angry in general. I mean, I, I there's no one that I really want to be that angry and have to live with anger unresolved. Yeah. That's very, it's just so draining. And there's just not, we just need more, better positive energy in the world than that. But so I try to get the clients to understand like, hey, at least they told you. At least they told you your receptionist sucks. Yeah. At least they told you that your parking lot is packed and they forgot you, or that you forgot them and, and curbside care for two and a half hours. So many people won't, but they'll tell ten other people. Yeah. So this is there's really a valuable be lesson here. When they do that, when they, I always tell
0: people. The, the second thing you say, uh, I loved when you said find that common ground. So the common ground is I want to keep you as a client because unless you don't, um, because I want to know. Thank you so much for telling me. And Absolutely. I will appreciate that you took the time to write me. Now you, you, you may in your back of your mind say, but the words you used really were triggering for me. <laughs> However, that doesn't need to be shared because that's not working forward that's not finding common ground that's nitpicking on words used and you know what most of the time as I said if you let it roll off your back and you come back to them like you said and recognize it took you know courage and and um, tenacity to tell me what it was that went wrong you're going to say wow they really wanted to know what went wrong. I was out in the parking lot for two hours, which of course all of us can raise our hand um, and say we've been there. Right.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those that from a client perspective or from, I'm saying client, I'm meaning the pet parent perspective. Right. right. It. I've been that pet parent. I don't actively work we in do. a practice right now. So I don't get the discounts and I don't get just to bring my pet into the clinic and say, Hey, can you fit them in? I have to be a real life pet parent client yep, now. Yep. And I've had those experiences where it's like ew You know, everybody's
0: under pressure and everybody's got a a very short trigger, a very short fuse. I have to tell you, and we talked about this before getting online. um, I was at the vets and I was a crazy person. And since you and I work in this field of recognizing when we're going down the rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. I was able to take a pause and say, holy Toledo, here I am, you know, ready to like wring somebody's neck. And I know better. And if you don't know better or you've had a really bad day, it, you know, having those go-to skills that I'm, I know you're going to share with us and, and that I share with people all the time, those go-to skills to recognize that Deborah's just, she's having a moment and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole with her. And
1: that's hard to do. Well, the, the two things that we know are emotionally triggered hot topics are our pets and our money. And the vet office, both of those things collide. Yep. So if you throw in a third combination of poor communication or minimal communication, you've got a war and it could be a war in person or it could be a war on social media. But those three things, when you mix them together with a little bit of negative juju, you've got some problems. And so, you know, opening the dialogue, opening the communication, but as a pet parent, like you said, check yourself be, you know, read your body, read like, what is it that I'm mad about? Are they not respecting my time? Are they not respecting my money? Are they not respecting my pet? Am I scared for my pet? Am I scared because of the unknown? What if they come back and tell me my pet has cancer? And we're talking about thousands of dollars of chemo when I thought it was a broken toenail, you know, so there's a lot that pet parents don't know, which creates fear. Yeah. And again, that's where that opening up that communication and removing the thing that creates the fear is what will reduce that conflict and that that consternation between the two people. Veterinarian people on that side need to understand they don't know what we know, right. they don't they understand that. Mind. Right. No, no, they don't know the trail that you're going to follow to try to solve the mystery of what's wrong with this, their dog. They're assuming that you're just going to know. And that's not true. I mean, veterinarians and veterinary people, they don't know what's wrong with your pet. They have to do the diagnostics. They have to do the x-rays. They have to do those things that help give them a map of, okay, this is where we started. This is what we're seeing. This is what we believe is wrong. Let's try this. Clients often, you know, pet parents often expect the easy, not even the easy answer. The they can palpate their answer. belly and know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, could we do that in the human side? No, we
0: we do the same thing they do, which is they palpate the belly, they do something and then they say, you know, first I'd like to take an X-ray and if I don't see what I want to see, then I'd like to take an ultrasound or a
1: CT. Right. 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 Absolutely. And so, but we don't always get that. Yeah. Right. We don't always get that same grace in the veterinary side of things. They have the expectation and not only that things cost, a lot for the veterinary world, but a heck of a lot less than human medicine. And the the myth out there, it's the same stuff. In the veterinary world, we have to buy the same things that the human side buys they get to make a lot more money on than the veterinary side. So that right there, you've got some triggers for the veterinarian side of things where they're defensive of the money they spend, the training they've had, the time that they've endured, and the hard work that they put into it, the hours they put into it. And then you've got this client who's sitting in a parking lot for two and a half hours, frustrated that you're not respecting their time, you're not respecting their pet. So what are they going to do? They're going to clash on Google and they're going to talk about negative reviews and they're going to go after each other. So I always recommend to the veterinary client, just pause, just take a breath, try to figure out where it is that they came from and try to really be open to that. Like you said, you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to accept responsibility. You don't have to take on liability. I'm not saying accept all, you know, every beating that somebody wants to give you. Absolutely not. But try to find a way to make some peace in this and try to, to help resolve that conflict. And that's where it gets tricky and, and I have to walk through because a lot of my veterinary clients, they want to fight. Yeah. And they want to I fight. They it.
0: want to stand up for themselves. They want to defend They're themselves. Yes. And I said, you know what? Defending yourself is great. And I get that. And I always want to defend myself. However, yeah. what's the end you want to get to? And I think you probably do this too. What end do you want from this? Do you want to keep this client or do you want to get rid of this client? Do you want to understand why they reacted this way? Or you don't give a shit. I mean, excuse the expression, but you don't give a crap. Um, sure. I have to tell you today, interestingly, I called my vet and I was walking the dogs and I was trying to make an appointment, pay a bill and walk uh, and make an appointment for a checkup. And um, she put me on hold to go to take the credit card. And I kid you not, 15 minutes later, she came back on and I'm walking the dogs, So I'm a half hour. So I don't care. I'm standing there on the phone with my credit card out walking the dogs. So thank God nobody had to have pickup because I had my hands full. But she came on and what she said was, I'm so sorry. I know you've been on the phone such a long time, but we had an emergency euthanasia. And I said, I get you, you know, but for the grace of God, right. go I. And you know what, I think that's where human patients, you know, pet owners really just need, and the veterinarians don't necessarily do this as often as they should. They just need transparency. I am so far behind because I had a dog come in this morning who needed immediate surgery. Great. You know, either call me to push my appointment to another day, because I could maybe do that, or just let me know when I arrive. That I'm running three hours behind. And if you want to go get, you know, your groceries and come back, you know, do it. But it's interesting, it's just one more thing that may or may not be part of that culture, that protocol at a vet practice, which then creates this ugly monster that they don't want in their practice.
1: I think I think yes. Both. I mean, it, it's one of those that you know. I had owners that were um, practice owners that were. No, we have to have the the perception of perfection. Yeah. Does that work? Drives you and, nuts. Yeah, it does, and it's really hard to maintain. You're basically you're going to burn out your team super fast. Yep. Um, because for every perfect pristine appearance, there's chaos in the back. Um, so, yeah, that's not realistic. The other ones are. You know, I've had them go where they're on the self-deprecating side and, and I, I don't yeah, think the Yeah, the other side where they either. give money
0: away for everything
1: and I go, am I better? They're so apologetic, like- yes. Yeah, yeah. discounting yeah. everything because they're so apologetic for their medicine. They're so apologetic for the fact that it's Wednesday. I don't know. You yeah. know, it's just, that's just, there's those, not, it, that you know what it. It.
0: Does, it doesn't validate for the owner. And once you set that up, at least I find this and I'm sure you're going to agree. Once you set a client up, for a reduced price if mm-hmm. they complain then they complain mm-hmm. all the time because they're not stupid yes you've now trained them yes you have train they understand me. you know we all have photo bombings um of the dogs on zoom because they've been trained when they hear us mm-hmm. talking like this to jump on our laps so we photo yep. bomb so you're training your client that if they get a bill yep. they know well if i start to complain on how yeah, come argue with me yeah right. and and I always try, and I'm sure you do too, to teach the veterinarians to appreciate where they're coming from. Yeah, it's not cheap to take care of a dog in the 21st century. Yeah. No, it's not. And we empathize with you and let us know how we might be able to assist you because through your payment of your bill, we can take care of your dog. We can keep the lights on. We can keep this extraordinary team together. You know, it's, it's all about, as I said, transparency. Tell them what's going on. It's not just a vet and a dog. It's yeah. a vet, a dog, it's the cleaning people who come in to clean, it's the front desk people, it's the, you know, um, ultrasound that they have come in, it's everybody and, and their prices are based on covering everyone in a fair and equitable manner. It's not as if, you know, I mean, the people who are getting ultrasounds are paying more than the people who are getting rabies shots. However, everybody's paying their fair share for the, the time they're taking to get their pet looked at.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I always encourage veterinarians to have a go-to answer. I'm not a templated person, so don't have a template, but have a go-to, you know, yeah, the the x-ray table that we just used to take this, this bone fracture x-ray cost me $96,000. Yeah. You know, that's right. And that's, there's, there's no corporation out there that's helping to pay for this. I mean, unless they're corporate, that's different. But, you know, if, if we're talking about a small clinic, you know, or, hey, this bandage material, all of this stuff costs. And I have to pass that along to my clients. But I do work very hard to keep it as low as possible. Right. I work as... as how, I, how can you argue with that? You know? <laughs> so it's Yeah, like, but that's that oh, transparency okay. thing, Rhonda, which which they Absolutely. hate
0: to do. They hate to talk about, first yeah. of all, vets hate to talk about money at all. They send it up to the poor front desk people, which I think okay. sometimes is better because they're bad at it, but not so good because... I have a a dear friend, Carl Chandry, out at UC Davis. He was the the head of emergency medicine in in the vet um, school. And he said, whenever a client would mistreat one of his people, when he got into the room, he always encouraged his his staff to tell him. When he got into the room, he would say, you know, I just heard that you talked to Rhonda and, and said this and this. And she goes, well, yeah. And he said, would you have talked to me that way? And she said, well, no, but she's the help. And he goes, no, without her, I can't do what I do. And so you just have to connect yeah. those dots for them. And sometimes people just um, have uh, biases that they need to have addressed in a kind and gentle mm-hmm. way so that you can let them know that without this front desk person, if this front desk person you know, leaves because she's mistreated, my practice is going to go into the toiletting.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the it's the veterinary version of the white coat syndrome. I can go in and talk to a client and tell them A, B and C. They don't believe me. Right. But if the doctor goes in behind me and says A, B and C, the exact same words, the exact same way. Oh, okay. Now it's gospel. So it's very frustrating, very demoralizing. And it also causes conflict and stress and strain because now you've got your team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're pissed off at those clients. They're like, I don't like her. I don't want to do, I don't want to help her. I don't want to be helpful. I don't want to go out of my way. I don't want to exceed expectations to make her happy because I can't stand her. So yeah, you're already creating some of those, those areas. So that's where lifting the veil. And that's one of the phrases I use in some of my talks is show them. Tell them what's happening, especially with COVID and curbside. Oh, my God. They can't even see in the practice. So you need to show them what's going on. I can't tell you how many times I've seen veterinary practices complain that clients are angry, that they're afraid. and They're angry they can't go in the clinic because they don't know what's happening to their pet. Yeah. Like, what do you mean what's happening to your pet? The same thing that would happen if you were standing there is happening without you there because we actually care for and love these pets. We're not waiting for the moment that you're not around so we can do something mean and hateful to this dog. We didn't spend our lives getting to where we're at to do that stuff. So that to me is, that's a communication breakdown. It's an absolute game stopper. So you have to lift the veil, you have to show them. So if they are afraid of what's happening behind their back, Get on your phone. I mean, social media waivers, you got to have all that stuff in place, but take the pictures, show them what's happening. Yeah. There's no secret. And if there's a secret, then you're doing something wrong. Show them what's happening, lift the veil. And that way, you're completely transparent. And there, there is no area of cause for concern in that situation, because they can see the pictures. They see that your dog's tail is wagging, that he's happy, that he's getting kisses. You know, there's things happening that this isn't a horrible situation. So it's, you have to let them in, especially because it's a metaphorical, let them in because so many places can't let them in. Right. And you diffuse the, the um,
0: interpretation perspective that I have of what's going on in there. Now to take Mm -hmm. that one step further, I love when you said, Whatever was going on in the vet before the pandemic um, is going on at the vet. Now at the pandemic, same people, same process, same everything. You're just not there. Well, I know that you have experienced, and so have I, the new pet owners who have no um, sense of reference of what goes on in there. And so they've got these new pets that they haven't been able to socialize, haven't been able to really train, didn't know what they were getting into half the time. And they're going to the vet new. And how are vets coping with this new explosion in pet owners? I know the New York Times had an article about it over the weekend. These new pet owners who really didn't know what they were getting into and now probably are having sticker shock because they didn't have any idea of what it costs to get a pet beyond buying it. I always said when I had my horse, the cheapest part of buying my horse was um, buying him. (laughs) You know, Maintaining him was the most expensive piece. And nobody told me Yeah. Nobody told me about the shoes and the floating of the teeth and the feed and the cleaning stall and all that stuff. And nobody told me how much mm-hmm. that cost. They said, oh, he was only a thousand dollars. That
1: was the cheapest part of the, of the whole deal. Right. Yeah. No, no free kittens. <laughs> they, right, right? they all cost. <laughs> yeah. So when yeah. new owners it's- are there, how do
0: you help your um, clients who are new owners deal with veterinarians and veterinarians deal with new clients? I mean you, you know, out The answer
1: is still the same. The answer is still the same. It's lifting the veil and being d- transparent. Explain to the pro- explain to them the process. If they are a new client, explain the curbside process. Even as someone who's been in the industry for 15 plus years, when I had my first curbside experience at my vet, I had no idea what to do. They did not have it clearly marked. They did not have signs to tell me what to do. Do I go to the door? Do I not? Do I stay in the car? Did they see me? Did they not see me? Do I call somebody? Did they get my text? Yeah, I have no idea because the communication just kind of stopped. It wasn't fluid. And I understand why. I mean, uh, being on the other veterinary side of it, I totally get it. But it doesn't mean that I didn't have those moments of embarrassment, worry, concern Am I doing the right thing? Are they going to have to correct me? You know, and even if you set yourself up in that situation, and someone does have to correct you, now you've embarrassed your client. So they're, you know, from embarrassment, it's not a quick step to anger. So you know, you want to make sure that you make it easy to do business with you. So if you have specific rules for how curbside is going to go, or how you want to do your rabies vaccinations, or how you do your grooming appointments, or any of the things that new clients would want to know or need to know tell them tell them how to do business with you yes. one you're going to bond with them but it's also going to simplify that communication process the next time that they have to ask you something they're going to remember these answers or they're going to know where you directed them is it on your website do you keep this stuff on your facebook page if not do it add this information make sure that you're yeah, updating to the your top. social these pages the with these rules. Yeah,
0: pin it yes. the these are the directions. I know that Deb Boone, a colleague of ours, had offered on her website uh, a template to use as transparency for visits during COVID, you know, curbside visits, because veterinarians are really bad at, at providing that information in a way that a pet owner can understand it. Yeah, yeah. And they, and they it, don't always ask for follow-ups, you know? What was your experience like? I'd rather not know. I loved when you said before, you want them to take the time to give you a negative um, feedback because then they've taken the time to let you know at where least you, you know it. Yeah, at least right. you know. So yeah. so we, yeah. we aren't good at uh, ask. I, I always tell people, you know, ask for it up front. It's always easier to get it when you ask for it than to get it through the back door.
1: Well, and part of the problem is, is it's not that they're not saying it, at least in my own experience being, my, my most recent management experience, I had two hospitals, a staff of 30. We did 15-minute appointments. So two hospitals, every 15 minutes, we're open at 8, we close at 5. We work during lunch as well. That's a lot of appointments. Yeah. So it's not that they're saying that. It's that they have already said it 22 billion times today. So maybe by the time you got there, they don't want to say it anymore. That's why a piece they of just, paper is so good. You never have to say it. Right. So it's just one of those that they are communicating. They're attempting to communicate. They are saying it. Maybe they missed you. But if they missed you, you're your whole world. Yeah. So therefore, they don't say it at all. Yeah. To me, myself and I. Right. Exactly. Right. I
0: have to say that when I was at Colorado State University teaching, um, one of the third year students actually got up and said, listen. When we discharge, it it's way before COVID, um, when we discharge, not only do, the, do I, the vet, tell the client what to do with the dog, uh, the uh, vet tech tells them what to do with the dog, and then they get written directions and they still get it wrong. What am I supposed to do? And I said, I get it. That is so frustrating. There you are trying to ha- help this person help their pet. I said, and if you're open to it, um, understanding that they can't hear you at all because A, their pet is very sick, B- Um, They're so grateful that you fixed their pet or return their pet to them. And C, it sometimes is a little better to let some time elapse between when you drop all that information on them and call them back. They're going to remember Mm -hmm. A and Z. They're not going to remember the rest of the stuff in between A and Z.
1: I think there's a quote I recently used in one of my talks, and now I'm drawing a blank on the correctness of it. But it was George Bernard Shaw that says, you know, basically the myth about communication is the belief that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of those, like, I know so I true. wrote that email. <laughs> it's so true. Cause it's just one of those, like, I told you how to take care of this dog post-surgical. My receptionist told you, my tech told you, you know, the guy sweeping the parking lot told you, you still don't, you know, how could you say that we didn't tell you this? So, but that's very true. There's so much happening in a veterinary practice and it's so distracting that we're used to it. We're right. used to the flow. We're used to the chaos. We're used to the hustle and bustle. But as a client coming in, this is a a world that is just completely sensory and just all over the place. Oh, and let me hand you your baby that you're deeply emotionally attached to. And let's talk about trigger number two, which is the money we want you to pay for that. Right. So, you know, you're, you're ex- it's no surprise that there are conflict issues. Now, there are so many practices that do it well. I mean, they really do. And they have very few issues. I have several clients who have like 4.8 and 4.9 review ratings. That's unheard of in veterinary practice. And it's because they communicate and they are just so connected and bonded and open and transparent with their clients that even if there are hiccups along the road, that relationship is easily repaired because so many positive deposits in that relationship has been made when the one withdrawal, because we had a stressful situation happens, it doesn't just bankrupt that account. Right. So it's, it's one of those that some do it. Well, some don't have, you know, like an emergency hospital, they don't have the time to build that relationship to put those positive deposits in. So whenever you have a negative experience or, you know, emotionally charged experience, life or death, experience, money, experience, pet experience, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I know. And then what what often happens is I have to
0: be right. Instead mm-hmm. of getting it right, they have to be right. So they have to right. continue to, to, to make their point so that you know that I did everything right. And sometimes it's about just holding a safe space for how people absorb information. Mm-hmm. And what I sometimes, and you probably get this as well, especially in emergency situations, when the um, regular vet, Sees all what the emergency vet did, um, and starts commenting um, uh, out right. loud. And you know, they weren't there. And right. I always say to the to the uh, treating vet post emergency, do me a favor and simply say, "But I wasn't there." So this is what I'm seeing now. But I wasn't there then. So we have to talk to that vet to see what they saw then. Because just saying that doesn't necessarily agree with what the emergency vet did, but it gives the emergency vet some latitude that they were in a different place, a different time. The dog was looking much different, or cat, or bird, or Mm -hmm. horse. And Mm -hmm. so you're giving them the opportunity to really make sure. Because what happens is my vet said that you screwed up and I'm going to sue you. I mean, I don't know how many I've had of that. And I sit yeah. there and I, I want to talk to the vet who then later says, well, no, it's just that I wouldn't have done it that way. I said, but was it wrong? Well, no, not in the moment. They said, but you didn't, you didn't, you say didn't that. qualify it. You right. didn't. You, you just said, I would never have done that. And so then your client wants to go and draw in court to the emergency. I, I mean, I think emergency vets are fabulous. Um, Absolutely. Rhonda, I am so glad you have come on Why Do Pets Matter. Um, Rhonda is the owner of Dog Days Consulting. She helps clients and veterinarians have that conversation. She helps veterinarians and pet service industries with their online um, I guess, visibility and uh, mm-hmm. positive information. And if negative information comes up, she helps with that too. I'm so glad you're here. Please come back again because as, as we started this conversation, we said we can talk forever because I think we need to really touch more on the pandemic puppy, how to deal with that new owner and also how to really help clients ask for that transparency if it's not evident in a way that the veterinarian can feel it as um, a positive, as something this client that mm-hmm. you said wants to do to help, rather than to criticize.
1: Absolutely, yep, absolutely. My pleasure. I've had a blast. This is there's so many trails we can go down with this that I'm, I'm glad you're doing this, and I'm glad that that I hope someone out there listening gets some benefit from this. Oh, they do. I mean, I get so many likes and things. It's great
0: because what we're talking about is real life with pets. So yeah. Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton, Hamilton Lawn Mediation and the Why Do Pets Matter podcast. And of course, don't forget to join us on Wednesday nights at 630 for the map plan, navigating the journey your pet, your beloved pet takes when you can't care for it. And until then, take care of your pet. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcasts. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.